I'm Theo. And I'm Juliet. And this is Apologies Accepted. We offer an entertaining look at some of the big issues in history by examining public apologies of the famous and infamous. We're looking at politicians, serial killers, actors, and you. Send us a public apology you would like to make, and we'll read it on the air and give you a chance to redeem yourself, or just get some guilt off your shoulders. We're here for you. Once a week, maybe more if you're really, really sorry. Apologies accepted. The podcast. podcast. Yay. Um, how are you doing, Theo? Let's just jump right in. Let's jump right in. I'm not Juliet. You are not and, oh, Theo. I'm not Theo. That's right. <laughs> That's right. I forgot. I forgot who I wasn't. Negative two producer points for you. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm good. We're moving um, ish. We're, the house goes yes. up for sale next week. And I'm, I'm curious as to... How many offers will we get within the first hour? Because that's sort of a story in Austin. If you sell oh, your wow. house, get ready because people will take you out to dinner, name their children after you. <laughs> there was um, somebody, oh God, I for, I think they were moving in from San Francisco and they wanted to buy a house for 500000 right? And I yeah. don't know which part of Austin, I don't know how big that house was, but five hundred isn't going to get you a very big house anywhere. I was um, wondering. Yeah. Yeah. But so they were buying this house and, um, and their offer to the owner who had multiple offers on, on their home was I will buy your, the house you're selling and I'm going to buy the house that you're moving to. <gasps> Are you kidding? Yeah. No, I'm not. It was in the, it was uh, in the news. It wasn't, that wasn't just the only story that the news was like, the crazy things people are willing to do to buy a single family home. And this was one of the things like, okay, you're going to buy, uh, you're selling and you're buying a house that's worth three I'll spend eight fifty to get the house Holy I want. crap. Yeah. That's insane. That's I nuts. Totally agreed. It's like, honey, just rent. Just rent. Right. And then wait a year or two or three. It's not like homes are going to be worth $30 million that are now worth $1 million because who the fuck's going to be able to not. afford it? Right? Stupid. That's what I would have thought 10 years ago, but here we are. Yeah, here here we are. But anyway, so uh, <laughs> so yeah, that that's kind of me. We went out yesterday to um, San Antonio to visit our friend and hang out with her. And it was so nice just to get away from staging and cleaning and mm-hmm. and meh, 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 anybody who's moved is it san antonio like two and a half hours away it is it's an hour and a half ish okay that's uh, not so bad without traffic and then okay anymore it can be up to three hours um huh. with traffic but that's like no one in texas knows how to drive right. so there's plenty of accidents that happen and so the oh. freeway will get shut down for sure, you are guaranteed anymore driving between Austin and San Antonio. You're going to come to a patch where the whole road is just mm-hmm. uh, closed down to one lane, and there's a fire truck and a cop. And I'm sure it's the same fire truck, and I'm sure it's the same cop. <laughs> they probably just never get a chance to leave the road because it's accident <laughs> after accident every day. But Thanks. Oh, well, that's just another example of how I'm the only person who does know how to drive. Yes, of course. Right. So there you go. But you were saying, I'm sorry, you were saying you went to San Antonio. Oh, it was just so great to get away. And and we went out for lunch and um, we took the dog and it was it was just so nice to be living again and not like, 
oh my God, we've got to move all this furniture down to the garage kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah. And you, yeah. more exciting than my life, which is, nah. Oh, I'm in Long Beach for the week. I'm totally excited. It's beautiful. Um, I mean, you know, parts of Long Beach are not exactly beautiful, but <laughs> parts of Long Beach are very nice. <laughs> the conditional love of Long Beach, yes. <laughs> and the neighborhood that I'm in is has these just adorable old houses, and they've been renovated within an inch of their lives and are, are just amazing. Um, I think... A lot of them have been renovated with respect for the period in which they were built. So as far as I can tell, looking in the windows in the middle of the night, anyway. Wearing so. a black mask and goggles, night of vision course. goggles. <laughs> what are you doing in that house? Around with a bag over my back. <laughs> a sack. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's, a, it's an adorable little town. And there's, uh, there's a Starbucks that's open at 5 o'clock in the morning, which is really nice. Uh, so I got my coffee this morning. Um, which is always a good start to the day. So I haven't had quite enough caffeine yet because I don't have my energy drinks here. So I'm still waking up. Hopefully that won't impact the podcast negatively, but probably will. (laughs) (laughs) But that's it. I mean, I'm in this house. It's really cute. Um, It's, it's got beach decor everywhere. It's, it's a studio apartment that I'm, I'm Airbnb for the week and um, everywhere are little signs that say relax and if you're Commands. not there, you're not living and right. stuff like that. So and shell, little shells everywhere, the design elements of the beach, which is funny because it's not on the beach at all. It's like three blocks away from the beach, and it's like totally in a residential neighborhood where people, you know, I'm sure next door is just the regular old, you know, human decor. Yeah, so, but but it's cute. I mean, like I was saying earlier, if I if I want, I can just pretend that um, there's a beach right outside because it's easy with the decor here. So it's fine. Yeah. We went to the beach this morning, me and the dog had a good time. Uh, There's a dog beach not far from here. So I drove there so I'd know where it was. And and, uh, we we got some nice time in in the sand. Now, when you're out on the beach with a greyhound, can you take her off the leash? Aren't they famous? Okay. Nope. Cannot ever take the greyhound off the leash because they're so fast that by the time you tried to chase after them, they would be half a mile away. Got it. They're just super, super fast. And they have no sense of direction. They have no idea what streets are. They're they're just they're literally just dumb as dumps. So <laughs> they would run out into the street, no hesitation. I no, was going to say, I get that no sense of direction thing, but now I understand what you mean. Like no knowledge of the world, right? Right. Um, when I lived in Long Beach, just to make this about me, um, <laughs> I. I didn't grow up in a house where we used north, south, east, west, beyond right. like we were northerners living in the south, right? That's the only time directional words were ever used. So I kind of don't know where north, south, or east, or west is. And it wasn't a big issue because whatever, I didn't, I lived in a place right. where I knew where everything was. Um, yeah, so, we always use landmarks like, you know, it's near the Kroger yeah. or, you know, half a block from the Pizza Hut. Go down to the, the blue house you. and you make a left. Right. And then right, you drive right, right. to Mrs. McGillicuddy's house and you make a right, right? <laughs> exactly. Um, so, yeah. So when I moved to California, I was like, okay, I've learned about directions. And this is easy because there's an ocean and the Pacific Ocean is west. <laughs> and that's west, yeah. So, right. Except in Long Beach. Oh, it's not west? It's not west. It's south. Uh-oh. And oh, so boy. for, I'll say, 10, 15 years People would say, and in in a city, people do use directional language, right? So they'd be like, 
oh, you're going to go north on the 710. You're going to go mm-hmm. east on Bellflower, whatever. So I'd be like, okay, there's the water. That's west. Yeah. They told me to go yeah. south. And then I turn my body around <laughs> and wave my hands because I know my right uh-huh. hand is east, right? Cool. So <laughs> if you know if somebody points me north, I can tell you where everything else is. I just don't yeah. know where north is. Yeah. Learned many years later that the <laughs> bay in Long Beach is south. So in Long Beach, the water is south. So it's not really the ocean. It's a bay. It's a bay. It's and a it's yeah, south. port of Los Angeles. Didn't fucking yeah. know that. And um, I didn't know that either. I'm glad to know. Yeah. Uh, oh, I should have told you because then you'd be like, where's that fucking <laughs> Starbucks? East. <laughs> it was west of here. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. So what else is going on with you? Anything interesting? Your dog is doing well? Did dog behaved on your trip to San Antonio? Dog is very well behaved for a puppy. Um, and there's always that qualifier for a puppy. For a puppy. Um, but yeah, he's so he's just such a, an okay dog. He, <laughs> <laughs> such an okay dog. He's a little bitey. He's, okay he's trying. He's, you know, compared to other puppies, I've... I've been around other dogs that are his age. Yeah. So he's about six months old. Nightmares. He's like a yeah. superstar. Um, Good. So, yeah. So he's very sweet and he's, he's doing well. Those um, training lessons. I don't know the word, the dog training lessons for sure. the dog have, have worked well. Yeah. yeah so Excellent. Yeah, thank God. I'll tell you, there were uh, the first month. Oh, I would have given him back in a hot second. <laughs> no problem. And now it would take two or three. Now I had to think about it and I'd be sad for a day. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. So that's, that's really it for my life. I think uh, I have no other news. Um, no, just Long Beach. That's the only thing going on. Work is going on, but that's, that's it. So this week um, to move on to the podcast, since I have nothing else to talk about, um, we're going to talk about sort of sexism, racism, and homophobia in comedy, and uh, Jeff Singer in particular. Um, so why don't I jump in? How's that sound? That sounds great, because I can't wait to hear what you found and what you think. Awesome. Um, I think sexism is great, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Hey, listen, should be sexism more is sexy. <laughs> Just with a S at the S and M at the end. Oh my God. Oh, the my gosh. best, best, best written joke. Okay. It wouldn't play well in real life, but yes. Okay. Sexism is just sexy with S and M. Pray continue. Should, speaking about comedy and sexism and comedy. Um, Okay, so sexism and comedy, to be serious, is a real problem, um, as is racism and homophobia. In 2018, Chortle did a survey and found out that of 145 female comedians they asked, 26% had been sexually assaulted by one of their colleagues. Um, So to give some statistics for comparison, 20% of all women will be raped in their lifetime and one in 71 men, according to the National Sexual Violence Resource Center. And an online survey by a nonprofit called Stop Street Harassment found that 81% of women and 43% of men had experienced some form of sexual harassment during their lifetime. However, uh, in an article from the Washington Post, Andrew Van Dam reported that only about 0.7% of rapes and attempted rapes end with a conviction for the perpetrator. Um, so women know this and often don't bother reporting assault. Rain reports that the number of sexual assaults that are actually reported is only about 
So imagine that. So only 23% of sexual assaults are reported. Uh, that's a huge number of sexual assaults. Uh, I, I don't even want to imagine how many that would be, um, to be honest. So um, in women in comedy, according to Rachel Healy in The Guardian last year, were shocked to find they experience sexism among men in the industry regularly, alongside less frequent but more serious sexual harassment, and that for established female artists, this was considered a hazard of the job. Incidents ranged from misogynistic jokes on stage to sexual comments from people in power and a chillingly common refrain, I got off lightly in the face of physical harassment. Boy, I can't even imagine being, oh, sorry, being a female comic and standing on a stage in the center of a room and having all the attention aimed at you and then having some jerk ridicule you. Yeah. Or even standing on stage after some asshole comedian had just made a bunch of homophobic, homophobic, sexist jokes or homophobic jokes if you're a gay person. Sure, sure. Although it's awful. Well, you know, okay. Hmm, I know you have more points to to get to, but but you know, sort of at the same time, women and gay people are kind of used to it. You know, is walk into a room and the conversation stops or. I I certainly have had people say gay things say gay things gay to me. Things. <laughs> <laughs> well, I they better because so. I'm gay. But <laughs> no, I've I've you know in office situations I've had uh, colleagues really? mention gay jokes. But you know in a in a work environment like I keep my personal oh. well I don't want to say I keep my personal life personal but. It's just sort of like yeah. work is work and my home life is my home life. And so I worked yeah. with people who didn't know that I was gay um, yeah. and would say things. It's, you just you build up a skin. It's just sort of like, OK, now women, that's I'm sure more complicated because um, there's sexual aggression involved, whereas with the gay stuff. You can't stuff, really hide that you're a woman. So, you know, there's eh. there's no keeping your being a woman separate from your work life. So <laughs> you're an open target. <laughs> <laughs> That would be cool if I could pretend to be a man at work. Uh, Anyway. (laughs) Hey, in the digital age, uh, soon you could be Le Monsieur Jules. I bet. I bet they'll come up with Zoom filters or whatever to make you the opposite sex or a different gender. Or just just nondescript. Or just no gender at all. That would be great. Oh, that would be awesome. Oh, my God. Well, I hope they do it soon. Um. All right, so uh, Lindsay Adams made a joke on Twitter, which I thought was funny um, and sad at the same time. And she said, this was June 8th, she said, I know things are changing fast, but at least we can rely on comedy lineups to remain the same. Quote, we got a sick lineup of five date rapists and one woman. So I thought that was funny, Uh, funny and sad. Um, A few comics who've been in the news for sexism, sexual assault, racism, or homophobia uh, in the past couple of years or so have been Norm MacDonald, Louis C.K., Roseanne Barr, Dennis Miller, Graham Linehan from um, UK. He did the IT crowd. He's a writer. Chris Hardwick, Bill Cosby. Did you know that Bill Cosby had 60 accusers? I did not know the number, but I knew it was higher than fifty-five-zero, and I'm gonna say this is my Hollywood brag. Um, uh-huh. Open secret. Really? Open secret. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Don't don't hang out with Bill Cosby if you're a woman. Oh my gosh. They weren't That's like awful. details, right? It yeah, was yeah, just yeah. simply don't do that. Yikes. That's 
disappointing. I mean, uh, you know, it's it's good that that it, that some people knew about it and were warned in advance, I guess, but it's just disappointing that he would do things like what he did. And it's to me, 60 accusers is such a huge number. I can't even imagine like how many people didn't come forward and report um some other people go or, ahead. Or how many people were unaware that they had been yeah. drugged. Right. And just thought oh God, that that's terrifying. I drank so much. I passed, I out. passed out. Thank God I was with Bill Cosby. Oh, my God. Yikes. And then later on, they must have looked back on that and thought, holy shit. Yeah. 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 Uh, so in addition to the previous people, uh, also Michael Richards had his had his N word item. And of course, there's Woody Allen. Um, and of course, there's Woody Allen. And of course, there's Woody Allen, which is horrifying, just in general. Um, besides outright assault, being a woman in comedy means you have to put up with things like bookers often only booking one woman per show, and then they turn around and say that women aren't funny because there aren't any women in comedy. Uh, women often have to take the stage after sexist jokes have been told, like I mentioned before, and there's no HR or comedy union to report to in the case of harassment or assault. And if you complain or tell somebody you were assaulted, you might never get another booking. You won't. Uh, you're you're yeah. a problem and who needs you? You'll be blacklisted. Right, exactly. It's like kind of like at work. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like at work. If you refuse to work with men who have assaulted or harassed someone, you'll lose work. And um, women in comedy are frequently harassed or belittled while other men present just sit there like idiots and do nothing, which is one of my pet peeves. I mean, I see it all the time with women being talked down to or even outright, you know, harassed and other men will just be there and not do a thing. And, you know, they don't want to get involved or whatever the hell it is. I don't know, but it's disgusting, I think. I've not had that situation happen um that I've well, I mean, I'll say that hit my radar. You and I might be standing together, and you might say that's exactly what I'm talking about, and I might be like, right. I don't know what happened. What happened? <laughs> have Have you ever had people tell like homophobic jokes when you were around? And other oh, people totally. Knew and, yeah, and other people knew and didn't say anything. Well, uh, well, if you're trying to get by without being overly gay in the office yeah then um, they wouldn't want to say well and, and, Theo's gay <laughs> yeah i mean that lessened over time but for sure in the 80s yeah uh yeah. i'd say a thing right yeah and i just kept it like yeah i have a lot of sex and i don't want to talk about it because you'll get jealous <laughs> all the sex i'm having right which is true you just fill in the gender um so so yeah it did it did lessen but i remember once in the um I was working for a startup, and and this wasn't a tech startup. This was the 80s. It was just a company that was starting, right? And right. I was gay, and my boss was a gay woman, right? And we both knew that uh -huh. the other one was gay, and I forget how we came out to each other, but but we did, uh -huh. right? Um, and in those days, yeah, it's not so much there were code words, but if you mentioned a bar as a point uh -huh. of reference that was a gay bar uh -huh. that maybe wasn't a big popular gay bar— that's right. kind of how you could test, right? I see. So um, anyway, this uh, the owner of the company was there, and she, myself, the uh, woman who was the manager of the executive suite office building was also a gay woman, right? So there were three right. gay people and one straight uh, cisgender man, and yeah. he told a gay joke. I don't remember what it was, oh, right? Boy. But it was probably one of those classic ones that, um, you know, are 
funny, but then if you think about it, it's like, oh yeah, you're really highlighting that, that, that you find it disgusting. All right, cool. Um, and all three of us uh, laughed. Wow. Right? But it was that thing of, he doesn't know that any of us are gay. Right. And he so wouldn't be telling really... this joke if he knew that one of us was gay, right? Right. But this, it's kind of that way that white people talk about black people when they think that everybody in the room is white and shares the same opinion, right? You've probably heard racist stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That maybe wasn't terribly racist, like, let's go burn a cross on someone's yard kind of stuff, but just things that are racist. Um, no, I had a, a good friend in, in high school who was extremely racist and it was tough. I, I look back on that and I think, why was I friends with this person? But I changed. I don't know, man. <laughs> Not you. <laughs> but the, the things I put up with as a young person, unbelievable, looking back. Well, that's the fate of young people, right? You just, I guess so. You learn, you grow, yeah. and then when you're 75, you don't care anymore and you do what you want. <laughs> yeah. Um, so regarding Louis C.K., um, five women who were mostly comedians came forward to report that he had assaulted them. I think it was around 2018. And uh, they all tell a similar story. So two of the women reported to the New York Times that in 2002, he invited them to his room after their show for a nightcap. When he asked if he could take out his penis, the women passed it off as a joke, but he proceeded to do so, strip completely naked and start to masturbate. All of the later accusations involved accounts of him masturbating, whether over the phone or in person, with or without consent. He refused to comment at first, but he eventually wrote out a statement in which he confirms their stories. And this is not a Louis C.K. episode, but I'm just going to read his apology. So he said, those stories are true. At the time, I said to myself that what I did was okay because I never showed a woman my dick without asking first, which is also true. But what I learned later in life, too late, is that when you have power over another person, asking them to look at your dick isn't a question. It's a predicament for them. A predicament. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. He's always got to get the dick in there. The power I had over these women is that they admired me, and I wielded that power irresponsibly. I have been remorseful of my actions, and I've tried to learn from them. So, I mean, you know, the apology, whatever, but he's since gone on, I think, to sort of double down on that what he did was okay and there was no problem with it. And he's kind of being a jerk just generally. So um, I don't think, I mean. There's an audience for that type of an approach and that message. Oh, and it's sure that is. MAGA crowd for sure, right? And then kind of men in general not knowing how to talk to a woman anymore because if you even say hi, you'll be accused of sexual assault sort of bullshit. And so. <sighs> Uh, yeah, not not surprised. Um, I'd love to know what his wife thinks about all of this. Is he married? He's got kids. Oh, yeah, I guess I you don't have divorced. to be married to... Maybe, well, he should be by now, I would think. I right? think he was divorced. I think he was divorced when he did his show before these things happened. Oh, maybe. He, yeah, I think he had the kids like part-time or something. Um, but he told this joke in 2007 before he got caught doing the things that he did Um and the joke, I'm, now I'm going to tell this joke, and you're probably going to laugh, but it's it's funny when you think of it as coming from someone taking on the persona of a rapist, not when you think of it being serious, if that makes sense. And I'll, I'll just tell the joke. Okay. He said, I'm not condoning rape, obviously. You should never rape someone. Um, unless you have a reason. Like you want to fuck somebody and they won't let you. In which case, um, what other option do you have? 
So, I'd have to hear that joke from him or yeah, like, it's not funny coming from me. But if you if you if you take it as an ironic comment on you know the the type of person that would say something who would, like that, who would rape somebody, what's the logic a rapist uses to right, commit a rape? Right. And then you can make it funny. But I've, and I think people were giving Louis C.K. that latitude earlier on in his career. I'm sure he was edgy. Think that he was being edgy and smart and ironic and all that sort of thing. But you look back on it now and you think, oh my god. Yeah. And, you know, and that, of course, takes the let's use the word supposition. This is a podcast about words today. Um, that rape is about sex. Yeah. Which it's not. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, mm, yeah, it's one of those things where I'd have to see it. And I think that if I was sitting in an audience and it was being done live, I'd be so yeah. surprised by that that I would laugh not the laughter wouldn't be, oh, that's funny, or oh, that's true, or so insightful. The laughter would be, oh, wow, that makes me really uncomfortable. Right. That could be too. Yeah. Yeah. That would definitely be the case now, for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a different world than in 2007, believe it or not. 2007 doesn't seem that long ago to me, but it was some time ago. If you were born in 2007, you're riding a you're skateboard 14. now. You're almost driving. A car. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah. Um, so the person we're here to talk about is Jeff Singer, and he was the booker for Montreal's Just for Laughs Comedy Festival's New Faces Showcase. That's a mouthful. Um, and he got in trouble earlier this month for using the N-word repeatedly in front of comics who were auditioning. So Miran Kagani, a stand-up comedian from Boston, posted to social media saying that Jeff Singer had previously used the word at a show. He said he was just repeating verbatim the language of a POC he was talking to, Kagani said in posts on Facebook and Twitter. People tried to stop and educate him, and he just doubled and tripled down. Kagani also said that at a Just for Laughs audition years earlier, Singer dismissed Kagani's, Kagani's comedy, telling him, I've seen gay before. Kagani continued... This guy has, for the full span of my own career in comedy, gay kept a major showcase for talent in my industry. He doesn't see gays or women or people of color or any combination thereof in a progressive or even-handed way. So at that point, other comedians began to share their experiences with Singer on social media, and Jen Kirkman tweeted a thread of anonymous claims of sexism against him, which is gone now. I can't find it anymore. Um, but she said he's been at it decades, and accusations of his sexism, homophobia, and racism are many. So June, June, <laughs> on June 6th, Singer apologized <laughs> on Facebook saying, I was at a comedy club having a conversation with some people and I made a huge error in judgment. I asked a question and repeated back a phrase that someone said and it was completely wrong to do that. There was no malice when I said it. Nevertheless, it was 100% wrong and I should have known better immediately. Clearly, it was insensitive and I deeply regret it, he continued. To that end, I submitted my resignation to Just for Laughs over the weekend. I have learned from this experience and will make sure it never happens again. I sincerely apologize privately to the ones directly affected. I apologize to anyone else I offended that night from my thoughtless words. I am imperfect and will take away everything I can from this to do better. Singer did not address the allegations of sexism and homophobia in his statement. That was a pretty lame apology. I mean, it was it was full of things like... Um, oh, I'm imperfect I, is the biggest fucking cop-out of all time. Yeah, yeah of no fucking duh. Yeah, we all are perfect. Except I mean, for me. It doesn't give you the right to say the N word. You know, it's, everyone should know better than to do by now. 
long ago, everyone should have known better than to do. Yeah, it's, um, yeah. And so, like, the details around the situation are coming from one comic, right, who basically just says, hey, this guy was doing auditions for comics, and he was talking to somebody who was on the stage, and he was repeating back what the person on the stage was saying. They were having this conversation. The guy was mimicking the, the language that the person on the stage was using. And I've got to say, like, I I looked at, uh, keep wanting to call him Jerry Springer, and I'm going to do it 40 times in this podcast. And I know it's <laughs> Jeffrey Singer, everybody. Yeah. So when I call him Jerry Springer... That's not who I'm talking about. I'm talking about Jeffrey Singer, the guy in Canada. And so I did a quick Google, like, who is he, right? What's he done? And it's just a lot of nothing. And let me rephrase (laughs) that. I mean, he's done a lot in comedy. (laughs) Professionally, he's done a lot, right? But I just, I couldn't find anything interesting. And, And I read an interview with him, and it was the most boring interview I've ever read, right? Wow. Um, Not his fault. I mean, he's not... He doesn't need to entertain me, I guess, but he kind of does because I'm doing a podcast about him. I just didn't find (laughs) anything. And so what I imagine happened was that that this guy, Jeffrey Singer, was trying to fit in with the cool kids by mimicking them and by using their language and make himself interesting because it's not to me, right? I got to put that in there so I don't get sued. Um, how yeah. dare you? I'm very interesting. I'm suing you. Um, <laughs> and so that's what I think happened. I I don't think it was a, um, well, I mean, he, you know, he's, according to Jeffrey Singer, he wasn't being malicious. He wasn't calling right. anybody the word, right? Um, right. It's, but to your point, hey, Jeff, um, we've all gotten the memo. We know you got the yeah. memo too. Yeah. Totally. But you're trying totally. too hard to to be edgy, right? Um, and he's been in the comedy circuit basically his whole entire professional career. Yeah. yeah. He started off as a teen um, production assistant with Montreal Just for Laughs uh, Comedy Festival. So, like, this base is his home. It's a place he's been working in for 30 years, decades. Wow, we can say that, that, right? Um and so, yeah, I just, and and within comedy, comics talk to each other, right? And I've shared my distaste for being in a group of comics with you previously because they keep trying to one-up each other and mm-hmm. things can get real dicey. Everybody wants to be the edgiest person, say the most outrageous thing, come up with the best joke. Uh, yes, mm-hmm. and, yes, and, yes, anding each other nonstop. Mm-hmm. And they do have conversations about language and the power of words. So he's aware of the. Of course. Of what, who can and can't. And he's aware that there's a dialogue around this word. Yes. You'd have to be an idiot not to. Not that he's not an idiot. Well, yeah, right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you'd have to be an idiot not to and do it anyway. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, and I've got some stuff on that when we get to that point. Um, okay. <laughs> so yeah, it, it's it's a very poor apology. It doesn't sound like poor me. It sounds more like I have an excuse for what happened. 
Right. Right. And I understand that because if I was in his shoes, I would probably have just said the first that if you grabbed me and said, hey, you did this thing and you need to apologize, I would cough up something probably similar. I did this bad thing, but I have reasons for it. Don't think poorly Uh of me. Right. I would need a day to to. process it and then like craft out the perfect apology. Um, Yeah. And some of it is, I think you want to explain how you happen to be in that position that, to say something or to do something that would hurt somebody. Um, but I don't know that, I guess the point is that it's not necessarily helpful to explain. So that's why we don't like explanations in our apologies. Well, explanations that let us off the hook, right? Yeah. It's, yeah. I hurt you. Uh, I am sorry for that. And later, if you want to talk about what this all stem from, let's let's have a separate conversation about situation and circumstances. But for right now, in this moment when I'm apologizing, I'm really sorry. And I'm going to do this thing to show you that yes. not only am I contrite, but I'm willing to learn. Right, right. Yeah, that's, that's the best way to apologize. It's the only way, according to us, just now. <laughs> <laughs> we're the apology experts. Hey, we're apology experts now. We are apo- after now- 31 episodes. We are totally <laughs> apology experts. That's the sorriest apology I've ever heard. Um, he he said he resigned. Um, I'm not sure if he resigned or was invited to resign, um, but just for laughs, released a statement. Um, confirming his resignation. They said, we acknowledge those who came forward this past weekend and shared their experiences. JFL has a commitment to listen and provide a safe and respectful workplace. To that end, Just for Laughs has a strict code of conduct policy. We do not tolerate abusive, inappropriate, or vexatious behaviors. Love that word. Anyone working with Just for Laughs must treat fellow artists, industry, employees, and audiences with equality, respect, and dignity. I don't know why they put that word in there, because... Vexatious? I'm sure a lot of... Their comedians are edgy, and that could be considered vexatious. Well, my guess is, total guess, right, that behind the microphone in front of an audience, yeah. have at it. Go wild. Let the audience judge you, right? But if when the mic is off and you're talking to a production assistant, right, the edginess doesn't. But I, who knows, right? But, I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm, really, I'm really curious. It's not a word you see every day at all. So I, I wonder, I mean, it was put in there for a reason, and I, I really am curious as to who put that in there and why. I'll never know, I suppose. Well, there'd be no way of finding out. Like, we couldn't call them and ask. <laughs> I wonder what that would, what would happen It'd if be I did. the easiest thing in the world. You know <laughs> they aren't fielding a thousand calls, right? We could probably get an answer to this. We'd call them and just be like, why vexatious? What's up? I'm tempted. Let's, you know what? Um, let's see. Let's let me table that because uh, okay, maybe yes, let's put a pin in yeah, that. Yeah, we'll put it. We'll put a pin <laughs> in that because uh, because that would be fun. Because I I will say this: having heard that, I read that statement. Right? I was like, eh, yeah, yeah, all right, corporate speak, yeah. blah blah blah. Right? Uh, we don't we don't tolerate this. But having heard you read that, I'm going to say I bet he was invited to resign because that statement is so it nails the door shut on yeah. oh but we're comics oh no, sorry everybody you nope no pass here yeah and that yeah, sounds like something even... that yeah and um i'm sure there's more there there 
Like mm-hmm. he they probably wasn't asked to resign for using the N word. It probably he was, was asked to resign him. because somebody somewhere came forward and said he has made me uncomfortable or, you know, or 15 people came forward and said, right. you know, here's what he's done. Or, or they read uh, Jen Kirkman's thread. or any Which has of been deleted. Yeah, it's too bad. Which, huh? Yeah, I'd like to... Um, I don't know if she was threatened with being sued. And she doesn't strike me as the kind of person who would do it out of just a simple fear of being sued. She's kind of bold. She's out there. I mean, in a good way. So, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't yeah. think it was a... Oh, I'm... I mean, maybe it was kind of like, hey, honey, this is a nail in your coffin in your of your career. So I don't know that she would care. I mean, she talks about not even wanting to do stand-up anymore. Oh, she has a podcast. So I she know, doesn't she really need podcast. to work anymore. <laughs> <laughs> do you listen to her podcast? No. <laughs> oh, okay. But not no, because I don't like her. I don't know yeah. her. Uh, oh my God! I sound like Mariah Carey. I don't know her. <laughs> I don't know her. <laughs> I listen to her podcast, and she takes some getting used to, I think. But um, but I, in the end, I've decided that I do like her. So it would be interesting if you listen to an episode and told me what you think. I'll listen to an episode. I've got time today. I'll just be moving. So cool. She's Why very, not? Yeah. Right. Nothing else you got to do. She's very. Oh, but I could put my AirPods like. in and and boom. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, Actually, that's what I would be doing. I'd be listening to a podcast anyway, because that's what I do. Who cares? Why am I talking? Uh, do you have an iPhone 12? Do not upgrade, no. everybody. Do not upgrade to 14.6, because I have the iPhone 12 Super Max Pro or whatever the hell it is, and and uh, it's a big one. But anyway, if you have an, uh, an iPhone 12, um, what do you mean, no? Uh, no, I should not be trusted with that much firepower. I have <laughs> iPhone 3SX or whatever it is, oh. and it's like $350, and it plays podcast. I get text messages. I can take a photo. That's all I really need. That's all. I don't know why I have this gigantic thing, but um, I, sometimes I watch movies on it, which is kind of nice. But um, but anyway, if you have an iPhone 12, do not upgrade to 14.6 because they fucking screwed the pooch with their podcast upgrades, and, and it, it totally hosed the entire podcast thing so it's just fucking impossible to use now and it's heating up my my battery like nobody's business plus my battery life has gone from 16 hours to two so screw you apple yeah you're you're the worst sometimes thanks for the update i've had the same issues with my little 3sx which is paid for now yeah so (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah they sent me a a, an email saying you can get the tiniest ipod uh, iphone available if you'd like and i'm like i have the biggest iphone on the planet why would i want to to upgrade to a tiny one like there's a reason that i have a big one right why would they ask me anyway it's just neither here nor there sorry podcast listeners So that's mostly what I have for um, for Jeff Singer. Did you have some more you wanted oh, to share? Oh, yes, I do. Because, yes, because uh, here we are again. Awesome. Somebody is sorry for using the N-word. And why are you sorry for using the word that you use? Because you clearly felt you had a right to use it. And we had covered, um, eek, I forgot Michael, what's his name? Kramer. Uh, Richards. Yes, thank you. Um, doing a set and screaming the word at a member in the audience, right? And so, yeah. um, so we've done that. And this this was different. Um, it wasn't somebody calling somebody a name or trying to. You know, I guess it's somebody trying to be edgy. But so it got into this whole like, um, where does this word come from? Why is it a 
bad word, right? And we can connect those dots without having to do a lot of research because we sort of all know collectively as a culture what this word means, why is it bad? But I went to some um, some resources to hear from uh, black intellectuals. Uh, and I hate to use that word intellectuals, but when I Google, okay, so one, my Google history is kind of scary anymore thanks to this podcast. And so when I Googled what's the history of the, and then I had to type the N word out, Oh, no. Yeah, and I was looking over my shoulder like, is anybody oh. seeing me with this You're word You're sitting out? there in the library typing out the N-word. So fucking uncomfortable. Like, yeah. it, not, it's not a word that, in my immediate family, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. Meaning my mother, my sister, and I. Um, it's not a word we used. It wasn't a word that was in the house. It wasn't a word that, that blah. Now, our, our extended family, I have one relative who will use that word upon occasion, right? Uh, and she's very clear to say, but I'm talking about a white person be- huh. behaving like an N-word, right? It's like, oh, uh, okay, that's got that. Okay, cool. Uh, uh, and uh, I have spoken with her about my feelings sure. around the use of the N-word in front of me. I'm not going to tell you yeah. what you can and can't say. I'm just going to tell you what my ear holes make me. Uh, I think less of you when I hear the word come out of your mouth. Right. And I love you and I value you and I think highly of you. And I don't want you to give me reasons to think less of you. Right. So America's hero. All right. Um, So cool. I don't have a lot of personal experience with this word. Um, It's just not not my thing. Um, So not saying it is perfectly fine. Uh, And so when I Googled the history of and then I used the N word, literally N hyphen word, and then I spelled out the word. Right. Yeah. My returns on Google were super interesting. When you type in the N-word, you get a lot of academics, right? Yep. Showing yep. up, right? Um, and and it's the New York Times. It's the Washington Post. It's not the Washington Post. It's the most important paper in the world, but, you know, um, it's the one I remembered. Um, it was a, a number of professors writing uh, uh, essays on the word. And then when you type in... The full word, um, it's a lot of Wikipedia. It's a lot of like PBS and BBC, right? Uh, so this the discussion around this word, according to my Google search, has moved into the realm of academia. The culture is kind of like, okay, yeah, on the street, people are using this word. Some people feel like they can't. Some people feel like they can't. What's up? Um, and so I will start with, um, let's look at the word itself. So the earliest known published use of the term dates from 1574 and a work alluding to the blank word of Ethiop bearing witness. Um, And the first derogatory use of the term was recorded 200 years later in 1775. The word appears in colonial America in 1619. John Rolfe used uh, a variant, a variation of spelling and describing the African slaves shipped to a Virginia colony. And then during the 18th and the 19th century, the word was used to describe an actual labor category, which African-American laborers adopted for themselves as a social identity. So um, the word comes from the Latin, it means black, and then uh, some other variations of the N-word 
being the word Negro, uh, come from Spanish, Portuguese, uh, but ultimately stemming back to Latin for black, right? So terrific. That's where the word comes from in the 1800s up through the 1840s, the word had a very different application. It was used by mountain men or fur trappers to describe themselves. Uh, and it was sort were they of white? Uh huh. Well, they, they okay. so fur trappers were white, but also uh, First Nation, Native American, right? And then you, okay. you, we did have uh, black fur trappers as well. Not a lot because you uh-huh. would need to be a freed person of color, I suppose. Um, okay. But so, yeah, and it was, it, it seems to have had the same value as the word dude or guy, right? Okay. Hey, man. Hey, dude. Hey, guy. Um, it wasn't a term, it was not used as a term exclusively for blacks among mountain men during this period. Indians, Mexicans, Frenchmen, and Anglos alike could be the N word. Um, and was the, it used by lower class people? They didn't say, but I, I'll say this. Uh, Mount, have you ever met a mountain man? I cannot say that I have. You would say lower class. Okay. Yeah, because they trap okay. animals for money and then, yeah. They, they're edgy. It, they're edgy, yes. Okay, um, gotcha. So, no, they they basically um, were sort of wild woodmen to trap things, right? Um, okay, and so there, there's our history. Um, and then where did my where did my search take me? So of course I went straight to Tanahasi Coates. Um, gotta love everything that he says. And he he addressed this question from an audience member. A white girl stood up and said, "My friends sing this in rap songs when they sing rap songs. My friends are white. Makes me uncomfortable. Um, you know, what are your thoughts?" And so he uses a couple of examples, and he was like, "You know, my wife." And her girlfriends, they'll use the word bitch. And I do not join in their conversations and use that word, right? Not my word. Um, Mm -hmm. And then he used uh, uh, an explanation where words have no power or meaning in and of themselves. They need to be in context to be understood, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And he uses the word honey, his relationship with his wife, it's a word that they use between the two of them. Their relationship allows them to use that word. If they're walking down the street and another total stranger walks by a woman and says to him, oh, hi, honey, right? That word then has a different context and different meanings, and there's going to be a problem, right? So in ta Coates' viewpoint, um, sort of the bottom line, he believes that white people feel like the N-word is theirs because the language is theirs. We're speaking English. This is a word mm. that they they used themselves back before uh, black people were considered humans. Um, and so they feel they have a right to use it. It's their word. They also have a feel that they have a right to use it because white people move freely through the world, whereas black people do not move freely. By taking the word away, black people are allowing white people to examine and consider what it means to not have a right to do something that is as basic as using a word, um, which I thought was an interesting point. Um, it is interesting. Yeah. And then I would encourage everybody right now to put us on pause, go to YouTube, 
and look for Elizabeth Strauder Pryor of Smith College um, and her lecture, her TED Talk, Why It's So Hard to Talk About the N-Word. And we'll take a moment. Tick, tock, tick, tock. Okay, great. You've listened to it. So, uh, because she's amazing and, and how she talks about the history of the word, um, it's, it's meaning in social context, uh, the power of the word, the freedom of speech in her 20 minute lecture, she, she delivers all of that. Right. And sort of her final analysis is the problem is in our discussion of the word. We talk about it as if it's a word, but the N word and in here, you know, she doesn't use, uh, the word she mm-hmm. uses the euphemism the n-word and when mm-hmm. she started her academic career she was worried that other professors other scholars wouldn't take her seriously as a scholar because she refused to type the word say the word speak the word you, you mm-hmm. use it in her class you stop yeah, you using it in the it. class right yeah. so she wouldn't be seen as serious because she's afraid to say the word uh, but sort of her personal viewpoint is saying the word, it gives it power and she doesn't want it in her mouth. But what right. I loved was uh, sort of this takedown of the word. So um, the argument is it's just a word. And the big question on social media is who can say it and who can't. Um, but we're talking about the word wrong. Fundamentally, the N word is an idea disguised as a word. The idea is that blacks are inferior in every way to white people inferiority means that the inequality black people experience is their own fault. You're experiencing inequality because you're not equal. I'm sorry, right? Um, Speaking of the word as just a word makes it sound like it's a disease in America's vocal cords that can be snipped right out, and it can't. We have to talk about the idea behind the word, right? Um, And she was surprised as she moved through her teaching career to encounter students who thought that the euphemism, the N-word, had just sort of always been around, right? Mm. But it wasn't always around. It didn't really come into play until the late 1980s when black college students and intellectuals started using the euphemism as opposed to the uh, real word specifically and on purpose because they didn't want to give that word power. Um, I forgot the name of the polling agency, but it's the big one, the Pew? Sure. Yeah, I think it's the Pew. Anyway, so a big uh, um, Gallup. No, it wasn't Gallup. But pretty, I want to say it was Pew, but like Pepe okay. Le Pew. Pepe. We'll reference all Pepe of our Pepe earlier podcasts. Seventy <laughs> percent um, of all adults surveyed said it's never appropriate to use the word. Uh, oh, good. Yeah, and then my uh, my last shout out is to the Black Language Podcast and the host um, Anasa, who introduced me to. Um, something I didn't know was a thing on Twitter. And it's the AAVE, which is the African-American Vernacular Expression, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Her, her stance is that white people in general, right, are obsessed with black culture. Mm-hmm. But that obsession does not carry over to the actual people, right? So right. the white people are... Adapting terms, um, using terms, right? And then judging other people, judging black people for using the same terms and seeing them as less, right? Right. I, the white person, am using all of these fun street words I've just learned that sound so fun to my ears. 
And then I hear you say them and you're black. And I'm like, oh my God, what a horrible person, right? And she uses an example of uh, the, um, well, I'm forgetting the the young lady's name, but uh, during the Trayvon Martin trial, uh, he was on the phone with his best friend who was a Haitian American girl, right? Teen girl. And she was the star witness. And she speaks uh, English with a Haitian dialect. And so her grammar's all over the place. It's very eubonics. Uh, it's very eubonics. That's not even an expression, everybody. But there you go. Mm-hmm. It's the best I got right now. Um, and the jury sort of discounted her testimony because mm. they couldn't understand her. It was the whole white jury, right? And oh that gosh. was sort of the bottom line. We oh, just, wow. we didn't believe her. We didn't understand her. And we didn't oh, ask man. for any clarification because she didn't count. It doesn't matter, right? Because oh, she's horrible. a black person who's speaking right. a black dialect, right? So we don't need to worry right. about what she said, right? Even though right. what she said was Trayvon Martin was running away from the guy on the phone with her, right? Yeah. Not that he was the aggressor, which was sort of the narrative yeah. that was presented at the time. So cool. So uh, so the Black Language Podcast presents that one uh, snapshot of black language and the harm it can have. And then another snapshot where on Jerry Springer, um, a white girl who was just... Oh, funny that it's Jerry Springer. And, J- and yeah, I said I was going to mess it up. Jerry and Springer. I actually do mean Jerry Springer right <laughs> now. He had a show where he had a, like a 13-year-old girl. And the name of the episode was something like... Help, I hate my 13-year-old who's a knife-wielding, gun-toting, drug-mule, blah, 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 you know, horrible kid, right? Long title. Um, and they misspelled the word horrible. No. But, I mean, that that was it, right? Uh, it was this long title, awful kid, 13-year-old girl, get up on the stage. And she said something like, I'm going to meet you outside when Cast talking. Outside. Oh, there you go. Yeah. And that became a meme, right? She's now yeah. a rapper called Bad Baby. And yeah. she was using black vernacular on the Jerry yep. Springer show. Yep. And now, because of that famous. and that persona, right, she's famous and rich. So black language in the mouth of a white person equals yep. success. Totally fine. Black A-okay. language in a black mouth, no. No power, That's an no good. interesting observation. Yeah, like a like wow. And then this whole thing about AAVE, there's uh, um, there's a whole thing on Twitter about people asking, "Can I use this word? Can I use that word? What about the word y'all? Is that a black word I shouldn't be using anymore?" You know, people who are like, I sort of want to know um, what, where, how as an ally can I support the movement? It's not people trying to be ridiculous and saying, "Well, can I use the word the?" Right. It, yep. It's not. Well, I'm sure that's in there because it's Twitter. Oh, I'm sure. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I found all that interesting and that it got me. It got me uninterested in grammar. So I've just thrown all that away. <laughs> it got me lots of stuff. But then I started um, thinking, OK, great. I know there's words that have slipped out of usage, like the word overmorrow, which is my favorite unused word, because it just yeah. so explains the day after tomorrow so well. Overmorrow. Um, and I'm trying so hard to bring that word back, but there's loads of words that have fallen by the wayside that we're not using now that some people still want to use. I mean, there's Asian slurs, there's gay slurs, 
We don't use the R word anymore, right? And so the ideas that are associated with that word haven't changed in over 200 years. It's probably always going to to be a problematic word in the English language. Um, and I've again, I agree with Ta-Nehisi Coates. Um, white people feel the world is theirs, and we move through it without being dictated to. And if a black person is going to tell a white person what to say, well, then I got problems with that, and I'm going to say it anyway. Um, yeah, I, I don't get the need to say the word. Um, it's it's not even a particularly nice-sounding word, you know? No, I mean, no, it's it's not a nice word in any sense, right? Right. So. I don't um, think anyone should have to use it. And, and I would feel, I would, I would, as you said, I would distrust and judge anyone who did. Yeah, totally. Um, white was, people. White, well, white people. And then, yeah, and with uh, when I hear it used by black people, I just sort of like reserve judgment. Like, yeah. Or not even reserve judgment, right? It's sort of like. Okay, not my word. Um, not my thing, right? And I'll say like the I don't listen to rap, so it's not a word that that gets featured in my um, consumption of art or music, right? Yeah. But I do listen to uh, podcasts by professors, etc. And the word may come up every now and then, and it's within a context, and I understand it, and yada yada yada. Mm-hmm. Um, what I was gonna say was. The other thing that Ta-Nehisi Coates uh, mentioned is lots of groups have words that they use that are derogatory among themselves, but that makes them familiar and implies a sense of family, right? Right. The word then becomes endearing. And he said, so there's, there's gay people have them, those words, right? Women have those words, bitches, right? Or the C word, Um and that it's only black people who are being told, you can't use this word even amongst yourselves if I can't say it. Yeah. Right. Um, and that, you know, is striking to him and, and quite clearly a, a racist viewpoint. Um, my friend Terry and I have a word that we use uh, with each other. There were four of us in this little group and we all had the same word, which was Chica. So we'd call each other Chica. Right. Um, and it came from one night we were out at a bar and Terry and I both thought that the same guy was cute and we both started walking over to introduce ourselves uh-huh. at the same time. Uh-huh. And I turned to Terry and I said, I'll cut you, Chica. Right. <laughs> from those 1950s movies that were always like the tough girl would like pull out a switchblade and say, right. I'll cut you, Chica. Right. Um, I always thought that was funny. So we use that word amongst ourselves and it's Mm -hmm. a word that we use and it's not all the time and it's gotten less over time. Uh, It can be used in fun. It can be used in anger. Right. Um, But James will try and use it Uh and I don't like it. (laughs) It It's wrong. Right. right? Yeah. Um, And so. Yeah, I. There are just words that some people don't get to use. Uh, I was yeah. taking a course called Black Queer Literature and Film, and one of the books that we, um, well, it was a play. Uh, we're looking at it was called Love Conjure Blues, uh, by Sharon Bridgeforth, and in the 
In the play, there's a character whose name is N-word red, but it's not the euphemism, it's the word, right? Yeah. And so the professor, before he started the book, said, hey, everybody, and she she was a woman of color, right, and gay, and she was like, listen, we, we need to have a talk about one of the characters' names because there's right. a word that's going to appear, and while I might say I'm not comfortable, I want to know where do you guys stand. And so this was a predominantly... Uh, this class was, I'm trying to come up with a percentage. I'm going to say like out of the 30 people in the class, uh, three of us were white. Uh, okay. I was the only old person. Pretty much everybody was some version of queer, right? Um, and there was like one poor blonde white uh, girl from Texas who this was the only class that was open that she needed that she could take <laughs> at that time of day. And you, every class was a fucking journey for her. Um, oh, no. But what was cool um, was to see her, I don't want to say like see her development or see her growth, right? But in the beginning, she wasn't even sure about saying the word gay and, and asked about that, you know? And like, we're reading works that have the word cocksucker in it. And it's like, <laughs> you know, you can say gay. Yes, honey, you can say gay. Bless you and give you that permission, right? <laughs> only you. Only you and only in this room. And only when it's in type, right? That's right. Um, but so anyway, so the, the class, again, predominantly people of color, um, they were such issues. Around, I thought there was going to be a lot of like, oh, you know, it's okay if a, if a person of color says it, but even within that, there were discussions around how much color does that person have, right? Oh, you get wow. a brown person say it, or wow. do you have to be black? And if you are, you know, black um, and you don't want to say it, should you have to? I mean, it was it just it went all over the place. But the the consensus was this is a charged word, and so whenever we see it, we just simply won't say it. Mm-hmm. And that um, was a very safe space and a brilliant move on the part of the professor to have a discussion about that word and mm-hmm. its power and its impact and its meaning and its place and and not asking people directly, what do you personally think about the word? It was more, what do you think about other people saying the word? And I think that kind of framework allowed for a more honest dialogue. Um, Interesting. Yeah, it was... Sounds like a good class. Oh, it was a phenomenal class. The things that happened in that class, we had the shooting and the lockdown in that class, and that was fun. Yep. Welcome to 21st century America in the educational system. Um, Yeah, it was a great class. But anyway, enough about that class. Uh, And so, yeah, I'll say for me, it's very clear cut. Um, on a personal level, don't need to hear it. Don't need to say it. Okay. And, and, and when, so this guy's, uh, Jerry Springer's apology. No, everybody. It's Jeffrey <laughs> so Singer. So what do we rate his apology? Let's rate his apology on a scale of one to 10. It's an easy two. Yeah. I'd give it a, I'd give it a maybe a one because it's it's not even sincere um i'm sure he's not going to change i'm sure he was forced to resign he probably thinks he didn't do anything wrong um the po- apology was worded fine but it just seemed insincere so because it was insincere it gets a one yep uh seemed insincere there was a lot of yes but in the apology yep. 
and and a there's a promise to you know try and do better, but there's the big out. Oh, I'm not perfect, so yeah, eh, yeah exactly. you know it. Eh, could be better. Ooh, ooh to this apology. You need to call Ellie Kemper, Jeff, and ask yeah. her how to craft a good apology because she'll she'll tell you. Or call us, and we'll just charge you, you know, a few thousand dollars to teach you how to make an apology. Oh, yeah, right. That's, I was like, <laughs> will we? Oh, yeah, yeah we, we will. will. For a few thousand totally. dollars? Totally. A service. You can just um, listen to every so... episode of his podcast, and <laughs> that'll be your punishment. No, but we do a consulting service as well on the side, so we'll give you personalized service for just a few thousand dollars. Totally. Yeah. Um, so who's sorry now? Do we have any who's sorry nows this week? Is anyone sorry? We do. You know, that's an interesting idea. Maybe what we should do for who's sorry now. I mean, I know we have our own apologies to keep us humble, right? Yes. Um, Which is hard. It, we have to be humbled every week. Well, it's... Forcibly. We're imperfect. So... <laughs> Um, maybe we should add a component of like who should be sorry now right like what what news thing is like uh, um but yeah i i mean i will say that i'm sure i'm sorry now and i'm trying to think of like a language usage thing um and i can't so it would have to be a oh I'm sure, now I'm trying to think of a specific example, I'm sure I've said stuff to try and fit in with a group yeah. Um, yeah. that made people uncomfortable because it just wasn't natural. Um, yeah. So how about, can I do a general apology for Absolutely. using, uh, adopting, wearing language and or clothing, I guess, I don't know, um, uh-huh. personas that weren't true to who I am because I was so desperately trying to fit in like this Jeffrey Singer guy who I'm not going to call Jerry Springer, um, trying to fit in with the, with the comic crowd by using their words. So general apology for, um, having been a douche upon occasion because I was trying to fit in. (laughs) Do you have any examples? Oh, um, no, but I do have one. Um, that this isn't the same thing, but it sort of is. That's um, good enough. I was drunk at a bar and I decided, and I was taking a French class. And so I decided that I was only going to speak the French that I knew. <laughs> yeah. And so I ended up talking to these two guys and I got myself in this little bit of a problem because I had been pretending to be French. Uh-huh. And speaking... And you ran out of vocabulary. Yeah, well, it wasn't speaking to them in French. I was speaking to them in perfect English, just with a very fake French accent. Um, But they sort of believed me. um, Uh And then they would try and test me by saying outrageous things in English to see if I reacted. Um, Oh, no. Yeah. And so I will say to those guys, I am sorry that I was amusing myself at your expense and I wasn't making fun of you or trying to be clever it just seemed like a really uh fun thing to do at the time (laughs) i'm sure they don't care or remember so i didn't think i had an apology but i do have an apology um and it's i couldn't think of any examples of anything i said that was offensive in in any way way ever in, in any way ever um 
anything I'd said that would make someone uncomfortable or, or was in some way, you know, racist or, or sexist or homophobic. And, and that I just didn't know that there are probably things that I've said, probably many, many things I've said that have been those things. And, and I just was not aware of it. And so then I realized that that in itself is something I should apologize for, for not being aware of the things that I say, you know, not being conscious enough of some of the statements that I make that, that may be um, offensive. And for that, I apologize. Me too. That's my apology too. I, I <laughs> jump on yours. Okay. That's good. All right. Well, I think that's it for today. Um, any last minute words? Any words of wisdom? Oh, no. I mean, there's always last minute words, but <laughs> words of wisdom. Yes. My words of wisdom are don't move. Everybody yeah, never move. Stay where you are. I'm never going to move. I'm going to stay where I am. There's no problem there. So I will take your advice. Oh, lucky. All right, everyone. Good luck. I hope it's not too hot where you are. I hope the world doesn't overheat and kill us all in the next thousands of years. Good luck. Um, <laughs> good luck. <laughs> good luck with good that luck. global warming, everybody. I'm out of here. And good night. <laughs> Goodbye. to Apologies Accepted, the podcast. You can find links to the articles and the sources in the show notes. To submit an apology or find out more, visit us at ApologiesAccepted.net, where you can also find our merchandise. We're on Twitter at Apologies Accepted. And on Instagram at Apologies.Accepted. You can support our important work at Patreon forward slash Apologies Accepted. And fuck Facebook. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>